Today's content warning, Charlotte's story may include discussion of self-harm and or mental health concerns. If you experience triggering, please follow a self-care protocol and, if necessary, contact the Trans Lifeline at 1-877-565-8860, if you're in the U.S., or if you're in Canada, 1-877-330-6366, or your local support services. Welcome to Gender Meowster Podcast Network. Genderful is a talk show featuring non-binary and trans folks discussing various topics and special interests. We kindly remind our listeners that no person is a monolith of identities. All opinions are the speaker's own. This show airs live on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash gender meowster and VODs with show notes can also be found on YouTube. So hello everyone. I am Gender Meowster. I use they them pronouns. This is my co-host Nefertiti who uses she her pronouns and I'm going to let my guest introduce herself. Hi everyone. <laughs> my name is Charlotte Danielle. I am a trans femme woman <laughs> in the middle of her transition. I'm about a year or so in on HRT and I am also the uh, CEO and co-founder for The Transverse, an organization dedicated to the well-being of transgender, non-binary, non-conforming and intersex folks. <laughs> yes, welcome in Charlotte. It's so wonderful to have you here. I love your background, by the way. For those who are listening later, Charlotte's background is a menagerie of pride flags. Would you like to tell us about what they are, the different ones? Absolutely. So on this side here, which I guess is what stage right, we have the trans flag. So my colors. Mm -hmm. Directly behind me is the progress pride flag. However, what you can't see above my head and off camera is that it's the one that includes the intersex purple circle in the in the yellow uh, bit as well. And then just off to a stage left over here is the lesbian flag. I am a very proud um, card carrying lesbian, if you will. <laughs> That's amazing. I was a, I was I was a lesbian once. <laughs> now I don't know what I am. Can lesbians be on testosterone? I don't know. <laughs> but my wife is a certified transbian as well. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. It's an adventure. It's like, what even is your like sexuality when your gender changes around? It gets wacky. Oh, it's yeah, absolutely. It's been a heck of a trail for me anyway. <laughs> Happy to have landed where I am. So speaking of that trail, I wonder if you tell us a bit about your origins. So what are some things that you trace back to your youth that indicated you might be trans one day? And maybe we could follow that up with your egg cracking story. My whole story sort of originated, I'm 40 years old, so I, I am a product of the, the 80s. I was born in 1981. And when I was about five years, I was uh, five years old, I was a huge fan of uh, a cartoon known as Rainbow Bright. And the main character in that one, her name was Wisp. Cute little, uh, cute little character with uh, tons of rainbow clothing. And she tended to wear this nice blue dress. And I was very into this character. I just, I identified with her for some reason. I'm not sure what it was at the time. I just, I wanted to be her. It wasn't so much that I wanted to just mimic and dance around in front of the TV show for a half hour. I wanted to be this person. And I wasn't sure what that was. But one particular day, I, my parents, I should back this up too. My parents used to, being in the 80s, they would invest in clothing that would last me a fair amount of time. We didn't have a ton of money. So that meant that I was getting oversized shirts that would eventually fit perfectly or too small. So if you can imagine, we had just done a run and I had this brand new blue shirt and it went to my knees, okay? <laughs> and I also happened to have a belt that was a rainbow all the way around it. So to me, that was the perfect piece that I could use to make a dress. And I did that. And so this particular day, 1986, I guess it was, I was in front of the, the TV with uh, Rainbow Bright and I just started dancing around and, do, and fighting like she was on the show to get all, take the enemy down and to win the day and, and whatnot. And I was just having a blast dancing around in my dress, my, my self-made dress. And it was at that time that my mother actually caught me and took me aside and had the wonderful conversation. Now you do realize my dead name, I'm okay with it. My dead name is Christian. And so as you do realize Christian that boys wear pants and the girls wear the dresses. And so this isn't something you're going to be doing. So let's just relax on that. 
And I didn't know why at the time either, but that really hit me. And I cried uh, quite a bit that day. I remember being, I remember the emotions being very sad. And then to follow that up in the evening, my father decided to have the conversation with me about how men do this and women do that and you will be a man. So don't bother looking to the female side, only be paying attention to the male side and rah, rah, all that sort of stuff. For me, that was really the nugget, the beginning of, of everything. But that whole discussion with my parents was enough to, I guess I call it initiate a repression, if you will. So I wasn't exact cognizant all the way through that I was in fact trans or in the wrong body or something like that. Whenever the sensations would come up of something isn't right, or you have that moment of looking in the mirror and going, gee, I wish I had a different build or more curves or something like that. Mm -hmm. My initial reaction without even thinking about it was, nope, not going to happen. I heard my dad in my head, you're always going to be a man, so forget it. And off that would go, gone. Mm -hmm. Not think about it again, forget it. So that's really where I started. That's the nugget of, of the, the beginning, if you will. My, my actual egg crack story is significantly later, <laughs> much more recent today. Thank you so much for sharing about those early childhood experiences. I think the it's interesting that you had that sort of programmed into your, as a young person, to push those thoughts away. That's, yeah. I'm, sorry that, I'm sorry that happened to you. Me too. And I was good at it. Hmm. To be perfectly honest, I got really good at it until I wasn't. Yeah. Yeah, I hear that. As your life went on, you had some journeys. Were there, how old were you when you, like, started to question that programming in your head? Like, how many, was it decades? Was it, yeah. like, how much time um, elapsed? I would, let's see, that was five years old, so it would have been 34 years passed before I actually had any sort of realizing moment. It, should I just go into that, do you figure? Or we get right sure. into it? Yeah. Okay. So I, I worked as a union representative for the last three or four years of my electrical career. I was a trained electrician and I moved into the electrical union office. And things were not going well mentally for me at some point there. It just started degrading. And by degrading, depression was seeking in. I had tons of anxiety and it just wasn't, I wasn't happy. And at one point I ended up getting so low that I started started having feelings like I, I don't belong and trigger warning for, for self-harm. I definitely had the sense and the thoughts of harming myself. And so at that point, because I was working as a union representative and I'm telling people every day that if you're not feeling, if you need somebody to talk to, we have employee assistance programs that you can connect with and, and talk to somebody over the other end of the phone. Mm -hmm. And I'm quite thankful that I was cognizant enough to do that. One particular day at work, closed my office door, contacted the program and spoke with somebody just telling them how I was feeling. And they encouraged me to, to go home take the time off for, for the next day or two and see if I could get myself together and make an appointment with, with a counselor if at all possible. And they helped me do that to set up a, a call with the counselor. So I ended up going off work and that time off work was, it was a mess. I was still more of a mess. We're talking right at the, right in 2020 now. So right at mm. February is around the time that I'm, the beginning. I'm in this mess. Exactly. The beginning. <laughs> so February, I was just a mess. March wasn't getting much better. I was talking with a counselor, but because COVID was beginning to become a thing, I ended up counseling the counselor more about the fact that COVID was, was coming in and that they were very stressed and had a lot of anxiety about it. So it really wasn't a fit for me anymore. So I left that counseling experience and I stayed on my own at home, just pondering what life meant for me and where I was going. And the more that I started doing that, the more I started having more feelings, very intense feelings internally that something was not aligned between my body and my head. And I couldn't really identify what it was. There wasn't anything that said, oh yeah, it's a gender situation. That's what you're dealing with. I didn't have the dialect or the language at the time to really understand what being transgender truly was at the time. But this, this sense of misalignment, and I always like to uh, mention as well that uh, pretty much all the way through the repressive years, those 30, 34, 35 years that I was repressed, I, I lived in a fog. Like my, I couldn't really think of everything incredibly clearly. There was always trouble to process things and it just, it felt weird. So the fog was really thick at this point is what I'm getting at in 2020. The lockdown occurred at the end of March, I believe that got into April, chugging through, still degrading, not doing phenomenal. But by the end of April, I started feeling a little better. Things started upswinging a bit. 
I celebrated my birthday in May and I began making plans to return to work. And shortly after my birthday, I again, sunk right into the ground. I had no idea what was going on. I was just depressive. I was crying all the time. I didn't have a sense of self-worth. It literally was the lowest point in my life, I would say. And three days after my birthday, May 18th, my birthday is May 15th, I was basically looking for a reason to stay here, to be honest. I had no, no desire to be doing life in general. Now, I need to mention one extra piece here in that of all of this thought process that was going on in the cloud in my head and, and misalignment and everything, I thought I had solved the problem when I finally decided and realized that I was not, I didn't feel that I was solely sexually drawn to or romantically drawn to, to females. I believed that I was actually pansexual. And because of that, and because I had acknowledged that and allowed myself to now look into that sort of area, my metrics of social media began to change. Oh. And uh, right, and I'm sure as many of us, <laughs> as many of us experience, you start getting into the the gay TikTok or the LGBTQ posts and everything. And so I started seeing so many of the amazing faces that that we scroll through on Instagram and Facebook every day, and that became more common. So on this day, when I'm feeling in my misery, three days after my birthday, I happened to see an ad for a pride-based, an LGBTQ-based counseling service, mm. and it caught my attention. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure why it caught my attention, but it did. But the skeptic in me looked at it and said, why the heck am I going to listen to this spokesperson who's telling me that this counseling service is amazing? Who are you? Okay, that was what I, I questioned that person. <laughs> Who are you to tell me that this is going to be something beneficial? And so I ended up tapping through to their profile, a spokesperson's profile, and I had a bit of a look there trying to figure out what's going on. And this is in the afternoon on the 18th, okay? Mm -hmm. And at one point, I, I, was, I was quite stunned by this person. They were beautiful. She was beautiful. It was a woman. Absolutely gorgeous, beautiful hair, all this sort of stuff. And I had these feelings of, she's all put together. This is beautiful. I wish I was like that. Oh, put that away. And as I scrolled down, I came across her Transition Tuesday post from about two weeks prior. Mm. And I didn't clue together that this person I'm looking at here, who's male, quote, is the same person who is the woman I've been looking at. But eventually I put that together right at that moment and it allowed my brain to just, hey, look at this, think about this for a few minutes and actually logically think about it. Put yourself in your scenarios back and all the issues you've had throughout your years, but put the spin on it that you're a woman instead. And at that moment it obliterated, my egg was history, complete disintegration, my, my ex, if you will, she she describes the complete personality change at that point where I just became this happy, you know, bubbly individual right off the bat. Mm -hmm. It was like everything had just floated away because I knew exactly what was going on. Everything just fell right into line. You're a woman. This is exactly what it is. You're transgender and it's going to be okay. You need to deal with this. This is a thing. Okay. This is legit. And that was all just internal dialogue um, for me to try to encourage me to look at it and, and consider it. And I did. I gave myself the ability to, or the agency and the, the permission, if you will, to, to dig a little deeper in those thoughts and feelings. And I immediately connected with some friends that I trusted very dearly and laid this all out. This is what's just happened. I can't believe this feeling, but this is where I'm at. And I'm feeling this weird sense of euphoria and it's very odd. And so they were very helpful and walked me through some thoughts. And over the course of the next week, I just basically came to a point of acceptance very quickly. Many people are surprised at how quickly I was able to hit it, but I just, I felt I'm 39 years old and there's no way that I'm going to push myself into something that I'm not when I know full well that my being transgender a woman is the truth. And so that's essentially, that's my A-crack story all condensed down. But it was, it, for me, looking back, it was a beautiful moment in the back of my, in the backyard of a, a house in Victoria, just <laughs> laughing away and realizing, holy crud, this is what's going on in my life. <laughs> yeah. What a story. Thank you so much for sharing. I wrote a bit of a follow-up question while you were talking, just because you got my little gears going. I'm wondering how, so you already addressed part of this, how has treating your gender dysphoria impacted your depression and suicidal thoughts? You mentioned being bubbly. I'm curious, how do you disentangle the feelings of gender dysphoria from general concern over a global pandemic? Like, it's so, it's a, it's such a weird time to be trans and to come out because everyone's home, like isolating because of pandemic, 
but and a lot of people are realizing they're trans during this time but then how do you pull apart the dysphoria from just like the generalized anxiety of the state of the world i'm curious if you have any thoughts on that it's weird to look back um, at where I was in that time period when COVID was really becoming a thing, or when the world was responding to the pandemic finally in the Western Western mm -hmm. world. I was not concerned, as many people were. I wasn't exactly somebody who was going out on the city all the time. I had friends, but most of us were texters as opposed to get-together folk. And, and I was off at the time for mental health, taking a break for myself. So I was essentially already isolating at home. So when the order came down, to lock down and that COVID is in fact going to be a thing, I still wasn't really overly concerned about that. And so I'd actually say that when it comes to dealing with the, the dysphoria, um, I was focused on learning about what being transgender meant um, in general and for myself. I was learning what dysphoria was because again, I've been depressed uh, or repressed rather for so long uh, that it wasn't like I was sitting there questioning the thoughts in my head and things consistently. It was it was at this point now knowing what where I was that I was beginning to really learn and, and educate myself on that. So it, there wasn't much disentangling to happen for me um, personally. They basically lived apart. I'm curious about how you're gender presentation has shifted over time. So you talked a bit about this internal discovery process that you went through, but as like for podcast listeners later, you have this lovely lipstick on and you've got on point cat eye makeup thing situation. I, in all of my years in girl mode, I never figured out the cat eyes. It's truly a masterpiece. How was that whole part, like the, the presentation and the external facing, how did all of that go for you? I was very lucky to have a wife that was she didn't necessarily understand what was happening to her spouse, but she was supportive and encouraging. And I was trying to reject the need for transition for that first week and a bit. But she really took me aside and said, okay, hold on here. <laughs> I have a wig, I have makeup. Let me just work on you for a little bit so you can see what you would look like in that role, in that presentation. Mm -hmm. And so she did me up and mm -hmm. and I had a look at myself in the mirror and went, you know, holy crap, I could really pull this off. I'm, I'm amazed. So I started just very basic. I rarely, I, I didn't do full face makeup very often. I presented just all in the same clothes I had, all my male wardrobe still for the first little bit. And that's also where COVID, I guess, became helpful because most of that experimentation and everything that I, I was doing with clothing and makeup and all of that was happening in the comfort of my own house. Because we're under quarantine, you can only get the bare minimum things that you need. What are you going to do? Mm -hmm. I played with makeup. I played with my presentation. And when things got a little more relaxed and we were able to return to restaurants again the first thing we did was my my wife helped me choose an outfit and we went on a date downtown and it was the first time i had stepped out as myself as charlotte all done in full presentation mm -hmm. i assure you i didn't have the cat eyes it was just very, <laughs> very basic one color shadow and plain old regular lipstick and whatever but and i was scared oh boy was i scared but anyway yeah so so the evolution of all that is just me putting more practice and everything into it, how I got to where I'm at now, mm -hmm. again, going through the social media and all of that stuff. I was very inspired on the cat eyes by Michaela Bill. You know, she had amazing cat eyes. And every time I saw them, I was like, I want that. I want that. I want to do that. So mm -hmm. I took my time and learned how to do them. Yeah. <laughs> so it's really just a bunch of me playing around and evolving over the course of the time. And now I feel that I'm, I'm settled on just regular plain old casual attire. I very rarely get super dressed up, although mm -hmm. my wardrobe does contain one or two very pretty dresses. The more, majority of my dresses could be worn to the mall or hanging out on the couch or whatever. Mm -hmm. That's who I am. I feel like that's just classic lesbian, though. It's just like comfortable and practical, right? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Fits all the way. That's so fun. For some reason, when you were talking, I remembered that my mom used to sell Mary Kay. And even though she like gave me official instructions on how to do makeup, I was never good at it. So maybe it was you're talking about you had just the one eyeshadow color. And I was thinking about when you do all the different colors and the contouring and the it's such a mystical art that I never figured out. 
I, I, I keep talking about social media and keep coming back to social media. For so many people, it's a horrible thing to be a part of. But for me, it was just this huge wealth of information as I got into the trans community more. I mean, there's tons of makeup artists that are providing tips via little video clips and things on how to do things specifically for transgender uh, women. And I, I paid attention to those and I practiced watching over and over again to see the technique. That's so awesome. That actually brings us to our next question, which is what got you interested in sharing your transition openly on Instagram and Facebook? So not only did you see all these tutorials, but then you started talking about it too. I wonder if you could tell us more about that. I've always wanted to help people. My entire life has been in one way or another involved with trying to to improve things for people. When I was a young, when I was a teenager, I was doing the the scouts and uh, volunteering my time to help uh, senior citizens and things like that in the community. I eventually started working for United Way to help youth get volunteer opportunities. When I became focused on trade work, even at that time, I was working volunteer to, to help improve working conditions for folks. So when I got into into my Instagram and I'm trans and, and whatever, realizing what can I do, it was again reflecting on this spokesperson that had done this ad that was so monumental to me learning who I truly was. And I wanted to be able to do that sort of thing as well, because to me, the more people that were visible would mean that more people were able to feel comfortable to explore that part of themselves or to feel validated in their thoughts and feelings or who they are. And so I just felt this draw to start taking the occasional photo and posting it. Mm-hmm. And as I got into it a little bit, it certainly it showed that I, I was able to keep a good track record of my own transition, so it became beneficial there. But largely it was just, it was to be able to be visible and hopefully help at least one person. And that was the sort of thing that I, I always said, if even if I never ever know that it happened, if I've been able to help one person out there in my entire lifetime come to a realization and understand and accept themselves for their true uh, identity and to live in their authenticity, then I will be, I will pass an, in, an incredibly happy woman. So I, that's really what got me going. I just wanted to be able to be visible and help people like me find themselves or, or feel validated. Yeah. Sometimes I notice that I I have to overcome some quantity of dysphoria to post a selfie. Yeah. There's this, ooh, I don't know. Because, like, right now I've got my Zoom beard on, so I look very handsome. But I don't always have my Zoom beard, so I'm like, oh, but I don't know. But, yeah, I agree with you that representation matters, right? Trans representation matters. So that brings us to our entire second topic, which is the transverse. So... Charlotte, I'm so excited to talk about the transverse. Um, First of all, for those in the chat who don't know, what is the transverse? So the transverse is an organization that is is dedicated to the the well-being of those who are in the transgender, non-binary, non-conforming and intersex communities. We basically want to do whatever we can to provide the best access to resources or services or whatever is needed for those in our community to live a a happy, healthy. And so how we're doing that right now is we operate a media network through Twitch and YouTube, The Transverse. We've got a ever-growing Discord community server, Transverse Community, and we're currently working to develop a resource and services hub that will be global in its in its design so that anybody will be able to join, visit the Transverse website, do a search for whatever resource or service that they need, and hopefully locate that through us to go and, and access their services. That's essentially where we're at right now. It's it's a beautiful thing. We've got seven shows uh, right now in the network of content creators, all from the trans community, doing everything from interviews like this one to uh, game shows, all on the table, doing a tabletop RPG live. We have news program tonight and behind open doors after that, which is a intimacy show uh, talking about healthy sex and intimacy. Our community has about 500 to 530 people in it. We just broke 500 last week. There's tons of folks in there with peer support, willing to chat with you and talk with you through through things and just be your happy bubbly self with us. And yeah. Uh, th- the transverse is a big, beautiful place. Let's put that out there, and it's getting bigger by the day. 
That's amazing. I love that. Yeah, we actually, we had the pleasure of having Emily on the show maybe a month or so ago, and we got to talk about the transverse a little bit, but there's definitely viewers here who maybe missed that episode. So for those who didn't hear that part of the story, how did you join or find or found the transverse? Who are the transverse sisters? What is that part of the story? The transverse originates with Emily, Emily Kleckner. She wanted to to help show people, transgender people, that they're valid, they're worthy, and to help bring their stories to life. And so she started uh, a show called The Transgender Show, where she interviewed transgender, non-conforming, non-binary, intersex folks uh, to share their story and to get into what the experience is like. And the more that she did that, the more that her vision sort of grew to being able to provide resources and services, to be able to connect people to all the items that when you first come out and you first realize that you're trans and you try and find these things, they're not as easy to find. Or at least they certainly weren't originally. I know I had a hard time. And so her vision was to try and find a way to, to make this accessible to as many people in the community as possible. And around January last year, the the transverse was initially, we formed the transverse, if you will, between Emily and Genevieve Bergman, the other transverse sister. And the two of them began looking at how they could form this as a nonprofit or a company that would be able to bring in enough money and funds to then develop all these programs and underlying infrastructure that would become a, sort of a central hub for all of these resources, services, entertainment, Basically, whatever people wanted to do in the community, we were going to be a place that would be able to help build or, or facilitate that. And that came with a big chunk of, you know, we need to have a community then. And so between Genevieve and Emily, I ended up appearing on the server. I was, of course, myself a little bit of lost and all that at the time as well, like we've talked about my story. And Genevieve and I had managed to connect through a friend. Basically, I needed somebody I could talk to. And we had a mutual friend who said, you should talk to Genevieve. She's transgender. She's around the same point in her transition as you are. Wouldn't that be great if you could have a sister that that you could talk to and go through your mm -hmm. transition with? Mm -hmm. And so I, I really started hanging, connecting with Jen, with Jeannie, and and around that time, my personal life began to fall apart. My my wife was basically coming to the realization that she's a cisgender heterosexual woman, and I'm a woman. So how's this work, right? So we were beginning the phases of our uh, separation at that time. And I was beginning to look at what I was going to do for my union office that I was away from at the time, decided to lay me off due to COVID. And so I was out of work and I decided that I was going to form a community here in Canada, in British Columbia, that would be some form of some place where people could go and connect and get the peer support that I wasn't uh, feeling that I was able to find at the time. And so I had this nugget of a community and I talked with Jeannie about it and Jeannie brought that to Emily and I did a show of the transgender, I did an episode of the transgender show with Emily and uh, we always joke that's the gateway program for us. If you want to come in and actually work or, or do something with the transverse, we'll get you on the transgender show and then Emily will talk you into it after. <laughs> so anyway, so I did, the, I did a show much like today, incredibly nervous and whatever in front of cameras, but I did the show. I had a great time. And after the show, we talked a little bit about what my, my aspirations were and where I was looking to go with this nonprofit that I was designing. And a few days later, I was invited by Genevieve Jeannie to uh, join her and Emily in forming the Transverse as a, at that time, a nonprofit company or organization. <clears throat> and that's exactly what I did. I jumped on board like right away. There was no ifs, ands, or, or buts about it. It was, this is something I want to be a part of. The vision was huge, but doable. Like we can do this. If we had the right people and the right team and everybody came together, we could absolutely do this. Mm -hmm. So we did do that. We formed, instead of forming a nonprofit though, we didn't want to, we were concerned about the control because mm -hmm. you, it's very possible to lose the actual control of your vision if you hand it over to an entity in a nonprofit that is the board of directors, the group that actually governs this organization. And so we felt at the time that it was better to form as a company. So we did form a limited liability company in California named the Transverse. And we had the full intention of moving on forward with investors and all of that sort of stuff. 
And yeah, so the transfers was formed basically right around that point. We signed those documents and there we were. We started building the the server, the Discord community server pretty much right away. And, and we looked at the network to see where we could bring some shows on and start developing there. And it just started growing. Yeah. There was one point where Emily and I were comparing stats to see like how our channels had grown and what our sort of yeah. viewership and all of that. And we've grown yeah. it, we've grown at about the same rate between our two yeah. channels. So it's been cool to realize, oh, we're like sibling, like gender diverse entities running down this path together. Yeah. Very fun. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So one thing that's changed since we interviewed Emily a month-ish ago is you all have actually decided to switch away from being a company to becoming a nonprofit. And I, I, I think I remember seeing that in your Discord server, and I was like, what is going on? I want to know. <laughs> Not that it's a bad thing. I'm just, it's like fascinating, right? Because it was just different from what I had last heard. For all the questioning people who maybe missed the fireside chat in the Discord server last Thursday, can you tell us more about that decision and how you became the CEO and that whole pile of information? So over the course of the last year, it, it's hard to build a company. Anybody who's who's taken that challenge on knows that. Uh, certainly locating funding sources is a, a big issue when you're looking at a vision as grandiose as ours. And that means you're going to be talking about investors. So we were very much trying to work away at building a pitch deck, getting ready to do the shark tank thing where you stand in front of the people and tell them this amazing thing and then have them tell you you're not worth the money or something. <laughs> but we had this, we, we knew we had something and we wanted to go there. So we just kept plowing ahead. And we got to a point where we were a little stagnant. We weren't making the progress as we had hoped. And Jeannie so intelligently had met, brought in a, an executive coach to work with us. A woman by the name of Angela Lacascio goes by Mama Pistachio. And she started working with us as the transfer sisters, the core three, Emily, Jeannie, and myself on, you know, how we were directing things, where we were going, what processes that we might be missing out on, or adding new perspectives to the overall development process that we were in. And as we went along that path, both together as the sisters and independently, looking at ourselves behind the scenes and where we could properly put our expertise that we had, we ended up finding that there was a, a need for a reorganization, if you will. So I was functioning as the executive director of community. It was my job to build the Discord server and bring everybody into it. And Emily was the CEO running the media side and Genevieve was our chief of operations. And because of the background that I have in dealing with business and, and human resources and all the other wonderful stuff that comes with trying to improve people's lives, you end up gravitating towards certain positions and stuff out there. And I was gravitating most of the time towards human resources and management, but it meant that I had the lion's share of the, the business background, business foundational knowledge that was needed. So we shifted positions. Jeannie became the executive director of community. I went into the chief of operations role and we went from there. Mm -hmm. But it became very heavy. There was a lot of work that needed to be done and it was looking like it didn't feel right. Needing to go after investors began to feel bad because you yeah. start questioning if they don't like what you're doing, they can pull their money. And that's so the more we looked at that and realized, do we really want big corporations essentially controlling our bank flow? Mm -hmm. Or would we rather look at how we can benefit the community and maybe allow the community to have more of a say in the entity itself? moving forward. What do you want? What do you need? What? How can we support the community as opposed to where are we going to get our next um, big check to, to fund uh, a project or something? Around that time of us really beginning to look at that, and we're around, I would say we're around November now in the timeline, November of mm -hmm. uh, 2021. Mm -hmm. Around that time, our dear sister Jeannie sort of began to feel like she, she couldn't really take on the role of an executive. She didn't feel that it was the right fit for her. And as painful as it was, she made the decision to step away from the organization and and focus on her own independent company as a coach. And so it left Emily and I sitting behind looking at it going, okay, well, what do we do now? And so I pitched to Emily. I said, maybe we should consider this as our time to, to look at bringing it to the community. And so we looked at how a nonprofit very, it differed from an actual corporation. 
And over the course of December, we we made the decision that to, to properly support the community, to properly do what we want to do to elevate voices of the transgender, non-binary, non-conforming and intersex community, to provide the level of support that the community deserves, but also to allow them to have the say the best move for us was to move to a nonprofit design. And so we dissolved the company and we're currently in the process of all the background paperwork and things that are necessary to establish a nonprofit. We're doing that right now. We've got a team heavily motivated behind us working to, to keep everything running and processing while we make this switch. And it's, yeah, we just basically looked at it and said it's a better way for everybody to have a say as opposed to just a few people. So it made yeah. sense. So you went from being beholden to companies that are giving you large sums of money to being beholden to your constituents, essentially, right? The community that you're forming. Yeah. And we didn't have the large chunks of money yet. Let's be honest about that. We didn't have any of that. The the Transfer Sisters have been putting their own funds into it since uh, we founded it last year. We run on free software. We run on Twitch and YouTube. We do what we can with what we have. Now that we've turned the corner and word has gotten out that we're doing, we're going the route of a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. We've begun hearing from people about wanting to to put some money in or wanting to to help us develop a, a new show or the folks are coming out of the woodwork to really, you know, put the effort forward to help, which is amazing. Just amazing. It blows me away how many people have actually changed how their day-to-day life works mm-hmm. so that they can contribute more to the back end of the transverse, the organization itself. It's pretty neat. That's, it's so magnificent having the help and the support, right? When I started my channel, it was just like me and my best friend, Mirami, and we were like, let's try a thing. And it went from just me streaming to all of a sudden people interested in moderating, like people interested in helping build the Discord community and managing that, moderating all those spaces. Because I feel like, especially as a, as a trans, non-binary, gender diverse, space, we need moderators. The thing is, there's some cishet gaming communities that they just don't care about moderation and they're like, ah, whatever. But especially when you're a demographic like we are, you have to have moderated communities. It's not an, it's not optional. <laughs> and so, well, and we, go ahead. Sorry. No, you go ahead. We, we actually, we took steps on that too. Our moderator team is is phenomenal. It's run by or headed by Danny Gillian, Danielle Gillian, who is absolutely an amazing person, no matter what she sees needs to be done, she'll jump on it. We have two senior mods that are now leading a whole group of junior mods that are just on top of everything. They're always at the gate letting people in. But we also took it another step further in that moderated communities and, and secure, safe places um, for us are, are vitally important. And we have the benefit or the opportunity to to jump in and design another Discord server that we call Aegis. And it's a it's an LGBTQ preemptive ban service, if you will. Mm-hmm. So there are tons of Discord communities out there, like yours, like ours, the Trans Community Center, just tons of these ones out there. And what we do is folks can register with Aegis, and when they issue bans on their server are able to communicate those into the network of servers through the central Aegis platform. So if you get a raid going on in your server, you can ban them all there, report that into Aegis, we'll send it out to all of the other communities that are registered. And then those individual communities can now look at what occurred and decide if they want to issue bans on their server. So what we end up doing is beating out these raids from coming around to other servers, prevent these people from causing issues on other servers. So we're helping other moderator teams in that regard as well. And we've been able to extend that to the Twitch platform in many ways to LGBTQ safe space Twitch channels are able to register with the service as well and help keep the community safe. So it's the community keeping the community safe, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Aegis is great. I remember when I first heard about it on the transverse, I was like, oh my glob, I need that in my life right now. <laughs> so I'm going to ask my content editors to make sure to get the Aegis info in the show notes for folks so that if they want to go find out about Aegis later, they can. Yeah, we don't generally advertise the server around too much because, of course, it's one that we don't really want to... Uh, we don't want to brag too much that's out there, except within the LGBTQ community. I mean, we don't want it to become vulnerable as well, although it is incredibly well secured. <laughs> Our development manager is absolutely amazing. She is constantly running lines of code and developing new bits for our, the bots that we have doing all the automation and operations on our, our platforms. It's beautiful to see what she comes out with, but yeah. 
you know, keeping people safe, <laughs> moderated communities. It's necessary. We do the best we can. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if it's bragging if you're describing a free to sign up service that benefits the LGBTQ community. I think it's just you know getting right. the word out about a necessary <laughs> service. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, we'll make sure that gets out. <laughs> so for now, if folks are listening to this, if they join the Transverse Discord server, can they write somewhere and be like, hey, what's this Aegis thing? Absolutely. Join the Transverse server, open a ticket for the community director, or you can even ping me. But definitely hop on there and mention that you're interested to even to a moderator, and we'll make sure that you get that connection over to, to the server. Mm-hmm. And for yeah. those who don't know, Aegis is spelled A-E-G-I-S. And it's based on the name for Athena's mythical shield. Yeah. That's such a fun the logo name. Is, <laughs> the logo is a nice, beautiful shield as well with the pride colors and the trans colors on it. It's, it's so uh, good. We're, we're really proud of it. Yeah. Did Emily do that graphic design? It was actually a mix. One of our young interns, Finn, originally came up with this design. And our platform manager, Rosa, with Emily fine-tuned it a little bit. Rosa is ultimately, I believe, the one that came up with the final design. So you have all of these wonderful collaborators. You've mentioned Emily and Rosa and Danny and Jeannie and probably others that I've forgotten. How do you recruit helpers for the transverse? Like, How do you go from, for someone who's wanting to start a stream or a stream team or some any sort of community, how do you go? from having a really good idea to having people engaged and volunteering time and spoons to make this a reality? Like, how do you do was communicating that it's there, bringing people into the community so they can see what it is that we're doing, bringing them to the shows so that they can have a look and see what we're doing. And it seems that a lot of people will self-declare that they want to be a part of, of helping out when they realize that we're not just a few folks having a good time building a server and, and doing a bit of streaming, but we're legitimately trying to do something for the community and to benefit people. And I find a lot of the folks watching the shows end up coming away and communicating or joining the server after not realizing exactly how in-depth these, like, these shows are not like yours. It's well put together. They're professional shows that that are really getting at transgender issues, Mm -hmm. uh, community issues. And so people generally see that and just want to jump in. Now, that said, we also certainly will be keeping an eye out for folks who happen to mention they have a skill set that uh, is needed, or we'll put out volunteer notices. We're actually going to be doing a run probably within the next month or, or so, looking for a huge amount of people to do everything from, we need legal advice to financial folks. We need volunteers who are willing to help continue building the server, folks who are willing to edit shows and do audio work, social media. It's a huge thing. So it's really word of mouth, asking people, letting people know that we're here and want uh, their help and all of the the services that we are offering right now, like the shows that just bring people in and get them excited. It certainly doesn't hurt if we end up interviewing somebody who's working on the transverse as well. When they start sharing their story, we certainly don't prompt them to be telling us anything about how they feel about the transverse, but they always end up going into, at some point, talking about how they just they came and joined us and felt like it was a family, like it was a safe place and mm-hmm. something that they wanted to contribute to the family or to give back what, what they got. And we just, it's beautiful. So if we can find a spot for folks, we absolutely try and fit them in where we can. I love that. There's so much to do. Oh yeah, we're up to a team of, I believe it's 45 people now. And that's a mix of content creators and staff, moderators. We have HR uh, directors, we have all of it. It's all building. Yeah. And is your, it, I'm jumping back like five questions. Is your nonprofit registered in California or a different state or Canada? Or is it international when, somehow? Like When we register, the initial registrations will be taking place. I believe we're going to do the first one in, I want to say Minnesota, because the cost to register is actually, it varies dramatically throughout the states. California is one of the most expensive, around $600 to $700 just to register, whereas Minnesota came down to, I think it's $90 is what we saw. So we're like, okay, we have two uh, folks on staff who are there. We can legitimately do that. So we'll register there. Once that's done, because I'm Canadian, I will register up here for nonprofit status as well. And so that that's where it will eventually build. You have to register in each uh, country that you're looking to operate in. Mm-hmm. So okay. We're going to start with these two and then branch out where we can. We have, we have contact staff in Europe, in the United Kingdom, in Australia, all over the world. We start learning where folks are connected to us from. 
And so many of those people are running businesses and, and organizations themselves. So they take an interest and in, in end up volunteering to be able to start something transverse there. So hopefully we'll be able to pick up on those offers and momentum in the, in the next few years and uh, register in other countries as well. It's so wonderful. In some ways, you may have already answered this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway in case you have additional answers. How does the transverse approach community and what does community mean to you? Community to me is pretty much everything. It's where you come together to feel a part of something, to contribute, to help other people, to grow yourself and to even just hang out and have a good time. And for us in the transverse, it's how many, who can we connect to? Who can we bring in that will have, if you need a safe space, come find us. If you need resources, come find us. How can we get you what you need to lead that healthier, happier life true in yourself? So much of the world out there is still coming to, to grips with the fact that transgender people have been here forever and aren't going anywhere. And with that comes a lot of, a lot of fight back or pushback on our communities. And so we want to make sure that we have a secure place and, and a place that folks can come in and really connect with each other. And that's what community is for us, is a place to connect, a place to, to be yourself, be at ease, learn and grow. <laughs> yeah, that was a beautiful answer. So to get more specific, could you tell us more about, so for context for anyone listening later, it's January 2020. What are your current shows and who are the creators? And can you tell us about what it, your content more specifically? What have you got going on if we tune in? I'll run through the list. How's that? Do the best I can here. So even tonight, we kick off our must-see Mondays. So we have uh, Transistence, which is a news program, modern events, current events, rather, focused around the transgender community, transgender, non-binary, non-conforming, intersex communities. So news title, news headings and things from, from, the, from the day or from the past week. We have a panel of three hosts on that show. We've got Emily Kleckner, Genevieve Bergman, and Marla Alpert from, from theater fame. And the three of them present the the show and, and have a wonderful sort of back and forth banter about what's gone on and, and the news headings. The community can chat in there and, and debate back and forth with folks as well. After that, we follow that up with Behind Open Doors. Oh, I should say. Transistence starts at 5 p.m. So, uh, 5 p.m. Pacific on on Mondays, and so that's 5 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. After that, at uh, 7 p.m. is Behind Open Doors, which is real talk about healthy sex and intimacy with Genevieve Bergman hosting that one. And she's not afraid to go in depth. And when we say real talk, we mean real talk. So it's uh, one of the NSFW shows. So we have to be a certain age to, to attend and watch. But the conversation that comes out of that is, is very pure, very honest, and very deep. There's been some great topics, everything from kink BDSM to just regular plain old, how do you approach somebody to uh, talk about consent, things like that. Tuesday is our uh, flagship show, The Transgender Show with Emily Kleckner. So 6 p.m. on Tuesdays, interviewing with, uh, with Emily. And it just occurred to me, I missed one right before it. 5 p.m. now, we have Keep Living with Jay. And uh, Jay is an evangelical presenter who just gets everybody riled up talking about how you should just be true to yourself and authentic in who you are and energizing and motivating. Just an amazing soul to have with us now. Just added him in, or them in rather, pardon. We added them in, I guess, a week, uh, two weeks ago now. So yeah, so keep living with Jay, followed by the Transgender Show. Wednesday, we're doing Builder's Block at 6 p.m. Builder's Block is a show, a crafting and, and hobbyist show. So we have multiple hosts that rotate through the schedule. We have Jess42 from Instagram fame, who does Lego, amazing Lego builds, I should say, at a professional level. And she brings these to shows. So she, she will build for uh, an hour and a half, two hours, and chat with the audience about what she's doing and the techniques. Emily does a segment with droids, and she redesigns, rebuilds, paints, distresses astromechs from the Star Wars uh, series. 
And uh, so she'll be on there taking them off, doing some paint jobs, talking about little modifications and things like that, connecting with everyone. And then the other segment we have at the moment, it was Rosa doing Gundam characters. Mm-hmm. Rosa has just had to back away. She has other commitments. So we're looking at another host who most likely will continue doing a Gundam work as well. And then, yeah, that's Builder's Block on Wednesday. Thursday is our only night right now that we don't have a show. So if we're going to run any specials or any uh, bonus programs, that's usually where we'll do it. Or behind the scenes, we're running staff meetings. So you won't be attending those. But then on Friday, we've come back with Valkyries. Valkyries is... I would say one of the original shows from the network. It started with Emily and a bunch of friends who just wanted to get together, play some games and stream. It's basically like a huge, we call it the toxic show between (laughs) these friends, just nonstop banter and and, uh, complete joke and and fun and all this sort of stuff. If you ever, if you get a chance to hop on the network and look at the clips, I always watch them and get a a huge laugh out of them at what goes off. But yeah, so they go for a couple hours on Fridays playing, uh, playing Fortnite lately and just tons of fun there, nice and relaxed. And about twice a month, we're running All on the Table. And All on the Table is a tabletop RPG game being played. We have the main table game, which right now is running Thirsty Sword Lesbians with our host, our host Jen Giggles. And we have the All on the Table side quests, which runs different ones from time to time, different games with a different, different crew of folks on there as well. And those will usually run about noon on Saturdays on the, I believe it's the second and the fourth uh, Saturday of the month. That's essentially our run right now. I can tell you we have at least three or four other shows in the background that are being discussed and at planning stages. So a lot of new things that will be coming soon over the next year as well. That's so incredible. I love the breadth of shows that you have. It's so fun. So before before we ask the, the question from the chat, I wanted to give a little bit of information to folks who are streamers, who are content creators, just like you have all the folks on your channel. Just yesterday, we announced here, the Gender Meowster community announced that we're starting a gender diverse stream team called Gender Federation. And the purpose of Gender Federation is to be a multi-platform stream team. So not only on Twitch, but also on YouTube and Altair and other places that you can stream content. And our aim or our goal is to fundraise for direct mutual aid for gender diverse people seeking medical care. So that money could be used for renting a car to get to the hospital for paying for the hospital or the hotel rather buying food while you're there paying your co-pays um getting hair removal and other pre-operation stuff sorted out and i just wanted to mention that while we had people here listening instead of tucking in at the end of the show and we're currently recruiting founders to create this entity so just like you all have identified a pile of roles that you need we also have come up with a pile of roles that we need folks to help fill and so we're looking for founding contributors if you're interested go check out gender federation on twitter there's a pinned thread on that new brand new account has all the information to apply and please do follow our new socials. I don't even have a command for it in uh, in Twitch yet because I literally just did this all of last night. We It's been percolating for months, but I was like, I need to jump on this. I need to stop waiting. And I would also love to invite the transverse to participate in this entity that's being birthed. So anyways, I just, I wanted to share that with you all because it's so exciting and it feels... I, I don't know. I want you all to hang out and do the thing. Okay, so now I'm going to jump back to a question from Danny G. With your own personal transitioning, Charlotte, where do you find the strength and patience to help others in the community? Question, Danny. It's who I am is the big piece. I have everybody in the trans the team. We call it the transverse family, the folks behind the scenes. And actually, it wasn't even us, the sisters that originally came up with it. We called ourselves the sisters. And the, the family of moderators ended up calling themselves the family. And they really are. Everybody in the transverse is very much a family. And so while I'm technically working and putting in the hours to try and build this entity or help people or, or post my Instagram, I have a whole family behind me that hears me, sees me, is able to help lift me up when I need it. and. Honestly, that's what keeps me going is I know that at any given time, I can hop into our server and just talk 
and somebody's going to show up and want to have a conversation. If I'm having a rough day, I can easily um, talk to Danny, for example, the person who asked that question. I could ping her in a second and know that she'd be there for me to help. That's those are the people who are, are making this thing work. And I love each and every one of them. They're absolutely stunning and amazing. And they're the people that keep me going. On a personal side, I'm separated from my wife. But the thing is, we're, we've always been best friends forever, always. And if anything, our relationship got stronger now that we've parted ways. And she is a huge resource for me. Big, yeah, there's so many people I could rattle off and list, but really it comes down to all of these people in the transverse, all the people who are, are making it what it is are also there keeping me going and energized, making me, showing me and helping me do what I want to do. People are writing in the chat, soulmates don't have to be spouses. Duh. All the nice, thoughtful thoughts, everyone. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Also, I don't know that you saw this earlier, Charlotte, but there was a hashtag Charlotte Love trending in the Twitch chat earlier. I got into stream. I think I told you this beforehand. Was I got it into the streaming because of the transverse? Mm -hmm. It was the transgender show that really had me do streaming. I'm not overly comfortable in front of a camera and all that. So to have Twitch open while we're doing this, I try and avoid that. So I'm not seeing mm -hmm. the chat. Love you all. Thank you <laughs> very much. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Hashtag Charlotte. Love. I have such a Love big you. grin. My face is starting to hurt. It's the best type of face hurt. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. There's so much positive going on for me right now. I'm, I don't think I've stopped smiling in, in you know months now. It's beautiful. That's, that's such a wonderful place to be. Speaking of feeling good, can you share a moment of gender euphoria with us? We like to, towards the end of the show, we like to focus on the positives. And yeah, tell us about a time that you experienced gender euphoria. So last year, around December, it was a week before Christmas last year. And I had just dropped a little hint out at somebody who I call my, my trans aunt, if you will. And I just said, gee, I wish I owned a dress because this is the season I would very much to have a dress. And I had never worn one yet. I'll admit it was internally, I was okay. That's the big thing. You're really making a step at this point. And despite all my acceptance, it was still like, you just can't grab that dress. She showed up the next day at the door, all masked up because COVID, of course, and uh, we sat six feet apart. She presented me with this beautiful dress, a strapped shoulder, beautiful black with red roses all over it. It's absolutely beautiful. And she said, here, I want you to have this. This is, this is a dress that, you know, she had worn very nicely put. Yeah, here you go. Take it, please. And that moment there was euphoric all in itself. But when I put that dress on, and I looked in the mirror and I saw myself with, I had, I was wearing wigs at the time. I looked at myself in the mirror and I just, the person who looked back was this beautiful woman. And I looked and realized that's me looking back mm. at me right now. And mm -hmm. the euphoria just lit up. I danced around uh, the house in that dress, twirling and spinning and everything for probably hours. And nobody was home. Christmas is still a week away. <laughs> but here is Charlotte just dancing around and, and whatever, making dinner, making hamburgers or something in this dress. <laughs> mm -hmm. But it was totally an amazing moment. My first dress is probably the euphoric moment I would mention anywhere that question is asked. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> still have it too. You should take it out. <laughs> That's so good. Ready? So the last question that I have for you, unless someone in the chat asks a great one, is what would you like to make sure folks know about your perspective on gender and non-binary slash trans issues? Something I want them to know. What's, what's the takeaway? Don't give up. Yeah. They're important and don't give up. If you have something you think you need to say to, to help elevate our voices or to support the community or, or anything, get out there and do what you can. If you're not comfortable being visible or being right out there in the front lines, there's plenty for you to do to help out and elevate the voices. Even just getting up in the morning and putting yourself together as yourself, whatever the presentation is, whatever, it doesn't matter. Just putting that effort into yourself to be your true self in this world, you're helping, okay? But do it, don't forget, don't give up. The world's going to try and turn you and beat you down on it, but don't give up. We need you. <laughs> we love you. And you're going to make a change. Yeah. 
That's so wonderful to hear. Thank you for sharing everything that you shared today. It's been such a delight to have you on the show. Is there anything else you want to make sure you share before we, we wrap up for the day? Basically, I think that last bit just said it. You're beautiful. Everybody out there is beautiful. Live in your authenticity. It's the most beautiful thing in the world. There's, If you ever feel like you're just scrambling around and nobody's paying attention, nobody cares, I assure you, and this is a big part of the transverse, so I'm going to make it a little more monumental, is you're not alone out there. There are thousands, millions of people just like you who are running the same roads, trying to live their true, authentic life. You're not alone. Mm -hmm. Okay, so yeah, if you're wanting that connection, if you want to hang around with people who are just like you, and you want to live in your authenticity, come find us at The Transverse. Come find me. I go by Webs of Charlotte pretty much everywhere. Live in your authenticity and let's do this together and have a great time. You're not alone. Yeah. That's my biggest thing I want to leave. <laughs> You're not alone. Thank you for being on the show. I want to take a moment to just say verbally for our guests some of the some of the places that we can find you so if someone's listening to this later they and they haven't had a chance to see the twitch chat they have some additional mm -hmm. things to go look at so folks you can find the transverse the link account which has all the things in one place is stanwith.me forward slash the transverse you even have a website the transverse.net and transverse is spelled t-r-a-n-s-v-e-r-s-e it's a mashup of the word trans and universe. You can also find The Transverse on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash The Transverse. With this live recording, they'll actually be live over on that channel in just under an hour. And if you'd like to join the Discord community, go to discord.gg forward slash The Transverse to join, which is so great. So wonderful. And if you'd like to connect with Charlotte, directly. You can catch Charlotte on Instagram and Discord as Webs of Charlotte or on Facebook as Charlotte Calliope Danielle. And then again, if folks want information on joining Aegis, the Trans Moderation Preemptive Protective Service, um, you just join the Transverse's Discord server and open a ticket with one of the moderators and they should be able to flag you through. Thank you everyone so much for being on the show. It's been such a delight to have you, Charlotte. Thank you so much. I'm so glad I was able to be here and thank you. I was just again, thank you. Elevating voices is so important. You do it all the time and we very much at the transverse very much appreciate you for, for all that you do as well. Thank Aww, you. That's so sweet. <laughs>